0: Welcome to the Warrior's Edge Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tom and Mark.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. Here's an interview I did a while ago with a very special guest. Our guest is a legendary MMA champion, catch wrestler, professional wrestler, actor, entrepreneur, and all-around badass. Welcome to the show, Josh, the War Master Barnett.
0: Howdy. How you doing? Uh, just another sunny day in California.
1: Yeah. yeah. Man, I uh, I first wanted to, right off the bat, I've uh, been a fan of yours for a long time. Uh, and man, you got your hands in a little everything. Some people are happy with just doing one career. You do a little everything. Um, but first, we have a mutual kind of love of metal, specifically death metal. Uh, I want to right off the bat to warm things up. Like, just tell us like your your top five go to bands, whether it's getting ready for workout or just get you in the mood.
0: Uh, specific death metal or just anything?
1: Or any anything.
0: Uh well, you know what? It really just varies. It, it's uh, highly depends on my mood or uh, what I might be listening to at any particular given point in time. But I'd say that bands like Bolt Thrower, Watane, yes. uh, Marduk, Goat Whore, and uh, Amana Marth and Behemoth, those are definitely ones that I can always count on. Uh, plus, there's always classics like Merciful Fate. Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Black Sabbath. Uh, There's just a real wealth of awesome music out there. And and in fact, there's great music being made in extreme metal all the time. Uh, It is a genre which really hasn't stagnated, uh, surprisingly, unlike uh, a lot of others. I would say probably jazz is is in that same category. But then if you really think about it, they have some, some crossover in terms of the way that music is made and, and some of the ways that it's structured. So I yeah. guess it's not really that surprising.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the other thing I love, you know, going to all, like some of the uh, metal festivals, uh, there's so many different layers of metal and, and what's nice is not like someone's uh, snobby about each. It's, they all just love it all, man. And <clears throat> yeah, I got to see uh, Amana Marth live and, and just, they bring the, bring it every time. And actually it kind of ties in too. like originally uh, you had a different uh, fight name or nickname, uh, but at some point, it was War Master, and I thought it was a nice, interesting story because you just named the band uh, uh, in the beginning. There, keep going to how you went, got into the title War Master.
0: Uh, it was a nickname given to me by the band Bolt Thrower, and uh, it's the name of one of their albums. A song on that album. It's also a reference to uh, Horace of the the Luna Wolves. Uh, from Warhammer 40,000, and the, the one of the, the Primarchs of uh, the whole Space Marine mythos, uh, Horus, <laughs> the Warmaster. So That's
1: awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And befitting, man. it, it definitely uh, uh, very befitting uh, to you know, the overall fight vibe and, and introduce you out. Uh, that was the other thing is uh, just a quick origin story for people, so to speak. Uh, you're originally from uh, Seattle, Washington, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. From Ballard, a little little section that's really uh, well has had been a very um, I don't want to say isolated because it almost makes it seems like we're we're uh, like it's a it's a negative thing. But I felt felt it was a really positive aspect to have our own little alcove that had it was self contained. That, that's a better way to put okay. it. Yeah, uh, at least back when Ballard used to have more industry and, and more well rounded aspects of production. Uh, and just, um, uh, access to things like as simple as a, a paint, uh, store or, yeah. uh, um, uh, junkyards.
1: Gotcha. Uh, interesting, man. Um, and that's the other great thing about the show is obviously we, everybody knows, uh, you for your main works. Of course, there's all these other, uh, backlining things. I, I, I thought it was interesting. You're also like really, really into uh, cinema and in all aspects of, of filmmaking and movies. And th- Is that right?
0: It's true. Uh, I mean, I, I've always loved. Uh, I'm a I'm a lover of art overall, and I consider cinema to be, uh, you know, a part of that that art culture. Uh, even even things as as lowbrow as some of the stuff that I watch at times, especially the uh, uh, Italian exploitation cinema from the seventies and early eighties. But yeah, it, it is a, a, a visual art form, and I've always been quite fond of it. Uh, so. Yeah, I do consider myself a bit of a cinephile.
1: Yeah, there you go, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing too. And at what point did you get a desire, interest uh, to get into specifically wrestling and, and you know combative style of things? You have an interesting kind of uh, childhood that kind of led you to that, correct? Uh,
0: I would honestly say that that I've always had a bit of a pull towards. Combat. I just didn't know that combat sports were really an option until so, later on in life. And so when that when that was something that I could, um, I could I could see as a, a legitimate endeavor to pursue, I did. And uh, I'm sure you know there, there's a good portion of it that was at least strengthened by things growing up like the movie Bloodsport. professional wrestling and video games like Street Fighter 2 and the like but I honestly would say that that my drive towards combat sports is truly something born out of my very being it is it is innate to me so it's like you know the question of what would you do if you if you weren't doing this my best answer that I can give is I don't know who that person would be so I couldn't (laughs) tell you
1: yeah Wow, wow that's so interesting uh, and at some point, uh, I, you know, we have some guys out here that uh, do catch wrestling. I, by the day, I teach jujitsu, jitsu sambo, and judo. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot, some catch wrestlers out here. And I love it. Uh, can you just, like, a real quick brief history for people that may not even know what that is, uh, what catch is catch can is all about?
0: Well, the, the phrase catch is catch can comes from Wigan, England. Uh, it, is, it is their term for basically get them any way you can. Uh, style of wrestling, which uh, would mean that there was uh, less restrictions in, in trying to acquire the submission or pinfall. And back then, um, they didn't have as many codified competitive uh, environments. Excuse me. So yeah. essentially what Catch is Catch Can and Catch Wrestling was, that's just what professional wrestling was uh, in an era when it was actually done 100 uh, percent. Uh, shoot, as we say in the business, or for real. Um, gotcha. So, you know, catch wrestling is is essentially one of the foundational aspects of all modern combat sports. It is. It, it was a huge sport around the world. It would eventually uh, transform into what we know as professional wrestling now, yeah, but yeah. obviously there's still... Uh, a lot of uh, of the echoes from it amongst everything we do, combat sports-wise. I mean, you know, to yeah. be honest, you know, having weigh-ins mm-hmm. and open workouts and things like that is associated to the old professional wrestling endeavors, and that is oh, okay. to have somebody show up in town. And of course, the, people are doing all these things for for money, for side bets, and all that. So, doing a weigh-in lets you see the see the horse before it runs, so to speak. Same with the open workouts. Open workouts used to be. You know, things to gather press, things to encourage interest and or betting on that 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 re- that athlete.
1: That's interesting. And, and there's so much rich history too. I mean, I, I wish there was a, a you know, a movie or a documentary, unless unless you know one. Uh, I mean I would I would watch uh, it. I
0: mean there's a documentary called Catch the Hold Not Taken, but I think that that really mainly much as I can remember, um, concentrates on what catch was in England. But um, okay. you know the information is out there, and there's even some places that that are um, that that talk about the Gracie Jiu Jitsu catch wrestling connection because it was yeah. that 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 elder patriarch in the Gracie family who owned a carnival who was having professional catch wrestling matches, pro wrestling matches, oh. done in his carnival, which brought oh. Mitsuo Maeda, who yeah. competing under the pro wrestling name of Count Coma. Who had competed in catches, catch can, and judo and jiu-jitsu back in the era, then stayed and taught the elder Gracies, wow. and then it went on down the line.
1: Yeah, and so again, there's so much rich history to that. Like I, I talked to someone who was, uh, uh, you know, knows a lot of history of judo, and they're like, even Kataguruma, whoever was charge of putting the, the syllabus together, mm-hmm. so to speak, was inspired by Western. I'm not sure it was a newspaper or clipping or something, uh, but that was a, a catch wrestling. Uh, uh, maneuver originally.
0: Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. And and you know, there's only so many ways at which you can bend uh, the human body or apply a choke. So, like Gotch says, we don't invent new moves; we just rediscover them. I have no doubt that, regardless of whatever your formal background is, that the concepts are uh, you know, it's not something that you could you could um, uh, apply and and then. Um, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? That you, you could uh, adjust to to fit into to however it was that you were competing.
1: Amazing, and this was also amazing. I, I got a while ago. I got to see a clip uh, of you training with this guy specifically, uh, and that is Billy Rousen himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Man, talk about a, a wealth of knowledge. It, it, the vibe I almost got too was like that could have be, could have been just a whole branch of lost knowledge, unless those kind of passed down to you and uh, uh, Eric Paulson uh, specifically.
0: Uh, well, I mean, Eric have... is, a, is a massive wealth of knowledge. From yeah. uh, you know, he's really not only is he an auto D deck when it comes to martial arts, but um, he, he's just uh, somebody who that stuff just doesn't leave his brain. Um, so all his time spent under Guru Dan and under Yorinaga Nakamura and everyone he's come across. I mean, even from students, I mean, there's things he picked up from me and, and God knows there's a lot I picked up from him. So it's just, uh, you know, nice to know that there's a repository of such martial arts knowledge walking, walking around the earth right now. And as for, you know, Billy, I met him when I was living in Japan and trained under him, uh, probably for like five years. Uh, wow. while mainly in Japan and going back and forth with pride. So, um, I mean, there's times I pretty much all my fights in Japan, I if they were in Tokyo, I did all my finished prep at the Snake Pit in, in oh. Koenji, and Billy would be there. And so, you know, besides, you know, I spent the, those years with him, but uh, Yuko Miyato, who's still around, yes. um, is the guy who spent the most time training under Billy Robinson. I mean, that guy is... Yeah. Um, he is probably the most, uh, yeah, the most, uh, um, directly Billy influenced and and trained under person still, still walking the earth. Uh, and he has a wonderful DVD and book out, which is incredibly, uh, well thought out. And it is the, it is the Billy Robinson blueprint. And then from there on, you've got the, um, Hideki Suzuki, who is one of, who is Billy's last fully trained start to finish professional wrestlers. Um, And he's out there carrying on the legacy of Billy. And then Jake Shannon spent a ton of time with Billy. uh, Connected the two of them uh, when Billy was coming back to the States. And Jake uh, spent that time, not just uh, training under Billy and and learning his craft, but uh, creating the opportunity for others with uh, the seminar circuits that he put together and, you know, helped keep Billy going, uh, you know, giving him something, uh, where he could be engaged, but also, you know, putting some money in his pocket. So it was really, really That's fortunate uh, for that relationship of, of Jake's uh, and mine to, to then work together and, and really do something wonderful for Billy, and which in turn did something wonderful for all of us.
1: Oh, for sure. It's, it, it's all around amazing. And, and anybody that hasn't seen that, I mean, I'll put some links and things up at the end, of course. Uh, definitely, well, I, whole... I know,
0: And it's been a while, but, yeah. but I really feel like Jake doesn't get the... Um, he doesn't get the appreciation that he deserves for, for putting that together and trying yeah. to bring Billy out to everybody out there. So, um, you know, I always try to make an effort to, 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 to put that back out in the atmosphere.
1: I mean, yeah, I love that. And that's, you know, just, that's just being a good person. I just kind of like the, the martial art way where you just kind of cross stream with each other, learning from each other. I, I want to post this, post this too. Uh, you got, uh, your own video yourself up mm-hmm. on BGJ fanatics, um, you know, it, it, how much do you see, I, you just see it more and more in my mind, uh, catch wrestling is getting more and more uh, spread out and more and more people are doing it. What, what do you see from your perspective and, and what do you see the future for uh, catch wrestling?
0: Well, I mean, my thing about catch for the longest time has been that we just need to, we need to have serious competitors and it uh, needs to be people that are, that are not, interested in trying to be gurus and you know like old school oh, okay. uh, kung fu master types that are just like oh no no we can't do it for real someone would die and you know you've got every excuse in the world please be people that want to get on the mats and want to compete will compete in jujitsu competitions and judo and whatever right i mean they're they're out there to to be on the mats and they're not out there trying to find the easiest path towards appearing as uh um some sort of, uh, uh, what is the best word? Like some sort of master guru or, you know, some s- you super saying. special guy. Um, uh, yeah. cause, cause a lot of these guys will avoid competing and, or they don't really oh. have much of a competition background themselves. Uh, and then they'll have really, really, really tiny schools and they'll be very insistent like, well, if it's not a catch wrestling competition. We're not doing it. And It's like, I mean, I just get you. on the mats. You got to get on the mats. And yeah, and otherwise, uh, I think one thing that I was starting to notice is just a lot of this stuff. Uh, besides that, which isolates itself and, and become and, and keeps itself known specifically as a catch school, which there are not very many of them. And right. it would be nice to see schools that are catch specific that, that keep everything within that 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 uh, construct, but also looks at the competition environments, You know, it's like uh, yes. Um, if you're gonna go out and keep heating MMA, you, you might end up on your back at some point. Well, you're not gonna right. be called pinned, but you better know how to how to work off of your back. Right. Um, even though some might want to try and try and scream, well, well that's not catch wrestling. It's like, yeah, well, you know, right. usually the people that do that are those that aren't actually doing it all, have right. never been in an MMA <laughs> fight and so yeah. I really don't care what you have to say about it. But uh, uh, the other thing is is that I see just a lot of this stuff is just being integrated into uh jujitsu but not but it, it, in, in such a way that it just gets um, like the origin becomes uh, um, uh, forgotten. It becomes discarded. Oh, so there's okay. there was a, a certain period at a point in the early 2000s where the some of the top jiu-jitsu schools are bringing in all these wrestlers to train wrestling, and now okay. they'll just say, "Oh, you know, I, I'm just jiu-jitsu. and it's like, "Yeah, yeah." You spent a whole lot of time trying to learn how to wrestle. And now you're trying to tell me that this is a fundamental element of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, yeah. I don't think so. I, in fact, you know, if I saw you go out there and hit some Judo throws, I could believe that. Right. But seeing you shoot doubles and singles and sw- hitting switches and all this kind yeah. of stuff, like, no, no, you expanded your game. You found that what you had for what you wanted to do or what you, or felt that what you, for what you wanted to do wasn't enough, that you needed to go somewhere else to add to your game. Yeah, that's fine. That doesn't diminish Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has no true yeah. purity either. I mean, because people are always looking for their best version, best way to which to compete and to apply, you know, strength and leverage on the mats, and I mean that's just the way it is. Exactly. Uh, and then with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like Judo or amateur wrestling or a lot of these different com- com- combat sports, the the structure, the rules of the game will dictate how you operate and, and oh, yeah. what order you'll do things. So, you know, if you change the rules of jiu-jitsu, you know, guard pulling would could, could be a thing that they all of a sudden annex, you know, completely cut out of their curriculum for the most part. But, you know, I don't think that anybody should do that. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not arguing yeah. for that. I, I'm not trying to tell Brazilian jiu-jitsu to not, to, to completely change whatever it, it, it's, uh, its paradigm is. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, uh i'm seeing that a lot of these catch wrestling concepts are being taken up by by very smart and capable people and then being reintegrated back into brazilian jiu-jitsu and of course that makes also the most sense because brazilian jiu-jitsu is the most notable most dominant most uh uh, practiced uh combat grappling sport there is so i mean of course that would that would be the case and if it was if it was the other shoe on the other foot and catch wrestlers were the dominant uh, paradigm in, in, in combat grappling, then, and, and there was a noteworthy uh, competition environment that involved working off your back, and in yeah. and, and, and a, heart, and, and a heartbeat, uh, catch wrestlers would be adopting all the fancy guard work that uh, jiu-jitsu people have worked on sure. for their own game set, structure.
1: For sure, it, may, it makes so much sense. I mean, that's the importance. Importance. I mean, you know, at least I learned just through you know training. I mean, I pretty much I started presenting jiu-jitsu. I just worked my way through. I'm like, man, we. I could count on one hand out of like the thousands of hours I put into this. I would mm-hmm. to work on like takedowns because everything was focused on, on the garden things. Sure. And that's how I opened my own academy. That I realized, hey, not just you know white belts, but every school, every belt level. I'm like, dude, there's no takedowns at all. So I started getting into. Uh, you know, cap dressing side of things, Sambo, Judo. And it's like, it's the complete,
0: complete, Well, and, and Think about, uh, the easiest example of this is leg locks. Go look at the leg lock, uh, per- okay. progression in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, you know, this was a community, the BJA community that, that would, would boo you out of, off the mats and call <laughs> you cheap and yeah. dirty and insult you and say you suck. Even if you used a, a, a leg lock within the legal ramifications of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, it's okay, it's cool, it's just part of the game. Now it's like, I see. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know what it comes down to is people would rather would rather win than be quote unquote right. You know, what right. I mean, it's just if they're winning, then they're correct. That's that's about as, as much as it comes down to.
1: <laughs> it's just so so interesting, but yeah, I love love that cross uh, training aspect, especially fighting all across the planet, you know, you fought, in every, you know, every major organization, every, every country. Uh, I always imagine you know, fighting in, in Japan, you know, they just put on such displays of like just walking out. What, what is that feeling like in particular in Japan, of course, but uh, you know, walking out and you just got that, you know, what's the energy like for you? What's your mindset like?
0: Uh, I, I love fighting in Japan and I don't, I can't think of any other place I've been to that, that rivals the, the feeling and the passion of being there. I mean, I feel like Japan had the, like they've done the best job of, of keeping it sport and spectacle all at the same time.
1: Okay. Oh, great point. Yeah. Yeah. They they really have. Um, And there's another uh, amazing thing I want to bring up here Uh, being uh, what, whatever side you want to go on with this guys being the first youngest uh, USC champion. This was an amazing fight um you know getting a a, not only the fight with him but a win over randy couture that's no small feat uh what was what was your experience like in that fight uh
0: you know it was a little confusing and well not confusing but i was a bit surprised as i expected him to stand up with me a lot more uh since even his previous like have Three or four fights. There was a lot of stand-up work, and I he didn't stand up with me at all. <laughs> he he decided to take me down each time, and so that was like oh, okay, all right then. But at the end of the day, um, I just remember being uh, even working from my back and just seeing that things were moving further and further in my direction. And that he was starting yeah. to get frustrated to the point that it, at some point he couldn't think of anything else to do but try and pass my guard. Which he normally wouldn't do in most of his MMA fights. He'd just be content to stay uh, in okay. the guard and chip away. As soon as that happened, I mean, it all went downhill from there. But um, it was it was really a great experience also because, you know, we had trained together before. I'd helped him prep for Pedro Hizo, and I, there was nothing personal with Randy. And in fact, uh, but when he first came onto the scene, I was... A big fan uh he was representing washington state and so seeing a, a wrestler and a washington state wrestler at that out there winning ufc titles it was awesome uh,
1: all around all around amazing yeah it's uh it, it, that's another thing i want to talk about your, your, just your fighting style in general of course we talk at length at catch wrestling you have kickboxing background and you, you cross train but you had this amazing uh style to you where it's just the guy when you're fighting him and, and you you really start to take over. The guys just just physically drained, beaten down. Um, whether just you lean that pressure on. I mean, what is your kind of fight philosophy?
0: Uh, well, coming from a wrestling background, I mean, some of it is is being better shaped than your opponent and push their conditioning and see what they got. The other thing I would say, perhaps the the greatest thing is just like uh, I have a, a very keen nose for blood in the water so oh, yeah. as soon as i i pick up on on a couple drops falling in the ocean i'm all over it like a shark and and that's it, it usually there's a sh- uh, as soon as it the fight turns a corner in my direction or or in a in a way that is it is that's a um easily observable like it's pretty much done at that point like the fight just goes absolutely downhill and it's over so uh i attribute that to just me being able to pick up on those little those little um expressions of of weakness right that that vulnerability and i just tear it open
1: go for it and i want to bring this in too because i love that they're bringing this back and it was uh bare Mm-hmm. uh love that this is back I, what old what's old becomes new i suppose is a good way to word it and uh this had that same kind of vibe man like he, it was a good fight and then it just started really wearing um like against uh, against the cage uh wearing them down with these like really close shots it wasn't like really loaded up shots that really uh when, when did you you, see, you got that blood in the water of course going on here uh what was what's kind of like your game plan in, in a fight like this
0: uh to be accurate to not get hit with any crazy haymakers to keep your guard and your defense working and, and hit that jab as much as possible and then when 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 I'm able to use my my clinching skills in this environment yeah. to do so although you know it might have actually been better for me to fight more at distance uh because I got hit more inside than I right. than I did at distance so you know who knows but to me fighting in this environment on this whole event was reminding me of why I got into this in the first place. It felt like I was an adventure again, that you're in a, yeah. in a movie or a video game and you're traveling across the world to go fight some, you know, uh, wild you know, maniac of a guy and, <laughs> and bare knuckle. And it just felt, it felt like the point of all of this. To I tell mean, a good story at the end of the day,
1: yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and I want to pop this in. And, and impulse, in I'm gonna feel like, it's worthy of like a, a triple effect. Uh, when you got the fight here in, in pancreas with uh, Yuki Kondo, mm-hmm. uh, that just that beautiful suplex. And I'm again, I'm gonna put this. Boom, boom, three shots of this. It was so well, well lit. Um, you know, what was it like getting uh, in, into this match for you? Any, any behind the scenes thoughts here?
0: Uh, it was a lot like a lot of things in my life. And that is I I get an idea in my head and I just think about, okay, well, how, what, do I, what does it take to make it happen? So I wanted to fight for the King of Pancras title. And I made the argument that I'd already beaten their one of their their title holders, who was the title holder at the time, yeah. Sam Schilt. So therefore, I deserve to get a, ch- a chance at the yeah. belt. And so I, I just figured out a way to try and get in touch with them and put it out in the atmosphere. And they took up on it and say, okay, well you're going to fight Yuki Kondo. And I said, well, the guy that flying needs Frank Shamrock and knocked him out of the ring. Like not a joke. Also a guy who has beaten semi ship before as well. And, uh, you know, I went in there as a representative of new Japan pro wrestling. And another point was to really, um, carry that flag of professional wrestling high and to show that professional wrestling is a legitimate combat sport. Um, and to get people in the wrestling world to, to remind them of, of our roots, you know, where we come from. And so nice. it was, uh, a I mean, also, uh, Matt Hume, or well, my original yeah. coach was in the first King of Pancrace tournament and he lost to Minoru Suzuki. Uh, so to come back around 10 years later, and now fight for the King of Pancreas belt and win it. it it felt like you're kind of a bit of a full circle event there um from where I started out as an MMA fighter myself and so there was a lot of things that went into that bout and and yeah I I hit a rolling german suplex on him and I remember after the second one I was like man that was a that was a pretty high one he went he, I know he went yeah. knees overhead oh yeah and I, as soon as I let go of him, he had just sprung up on his feet and tried to suck kick me in the face. So I was like, oh, all right, well, I guess this thing ain't over yet. I better better make sure I keep my guard up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just it, it, amazing performances uh, all around. Um, this I thought was amazing, too, and I love the other other aspect of, of wrestling in general. You see it throughout any grappler, really. I mean, even uh, Masahiko Kimura. Uh, he, he went ramps off into more like uh, mm-hmm. entertainment side of things, of course. Uh, and this, this is absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, speaking of a name you just dropped there, uh, you know, what kind of brought this about? And I do want to post there's an event coming up, guys, uh, I, I, I rescheduled from last year from all the craziness. And we got that coming up. Uh, man, what came, how did this come about and how did you get involved and, and brought it up?
0: Well, I was approached by GCW to uh take on the mantle of the blood Sports show and i was approached to see if i would compete in them at the first time around with matt riddle's version and it just okay. didn't work out scheduling wise and so then when matt riddle got picked up by the wwe they reached out again and said hey how about making it your show and i said yeah but if it's going to be my show it's going to be my show and that means i'm gonna i want to be in charge of booking i want to help produce the thing i want to put it awesome. together um it's, if, if my name's going to be on the title, then uh, I, there's a lot of responsibility on my behalf that that has to, has to meet. And so they said, sure. And from then I feel like, uh, we've done a hell of a job at building this brand up and, and, and taking it further than maybe anybody had considered it, that it could go with before. And we're working with 5B Artist Management on this, this next, uh, uh, one coming up and uh, we think that we really put something together that is taking this product to, uh, to, to that next stage and you know it, it's it's not enough to just make something it's try to try to make the best version of it you can and i feel like that's the direction we're going right now
1: amazing amazing yeah and uh any trailers and stuff in post i'll, I'll chop these in if that's cool Sure. Uh, just promote the event and all that because yeah I, I absolutely love it and, and and that was the other thing you know it's the entertainment side of things but the real the, the real techniques and just uh just how brutal you know hence the hence the name you know
0: yeah well we want to we want people to see professional wrestling from the perspective of it being essentially gimmick free like we don't we don't it's not about going out there and and doing a bunch of tropes it's about um, letting letting your hands and your feet do the talking for you just letting the 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 wrestler uh get on the mat without all that other extraneous stuff and just let their heart show out
1: i I absolutely love that i I think people are are definitely responding super well um this is another like i said man there's so many avenues uh this is another amazing thing guys uh warbringer uh super super uh well done even the kind of the uh, the process that goes into that uh You know, how how did this even come about? And uh, because you maybe go into how you kind of narrowed in on the flavor and all that kind of stuff?
0: Uh, Well, Sesame Creek was already making the Warbringer blended Mesquite bourbon. And one of the owners of the company reached out to me. And I was already, in fact, in the process of uh, talking to some different distilleries and trying to see about creating a uh, a Warmaster whiskey product, uh, being a a connoisseur of the stuff as I am. So I went up north and uh, took a sampling of what they made and got to know them and thought, okay, well, I think this is actually a really great fit for me, and I'm down. So we started with the Warmaster Edition, which is a single barrel cask strength, and uh, that became our flagship uh, bottle, our flagship stuff, and and to the point that it's uh, I, I know there's some bottles available now, now that we've been able to catch up a little bit. But yeah. uh, for a while there, I mean, we had zero, uh, you know, zero product available because it was all sold out. Just going And, uh, you know, we've won gold medal in the San Francisco International Spirits Competition uh, last year. Oh, submitted the War, War Master Edition bottle. And our Warbringer uh, blend is doing fantastic as well. It is a 98 proof uh blend of of bourbons in, in, that we make on in-house and then the Warmaster edition like i said is a single barrel cast strength version so every bottle is going to be a little bit different from the next
1: oh awesome oh very cool yeah yeah uh, yeah I, and, and anybody uh you know myself or anybody else to try man it's just it's, it's amazing um and, and that that was the other great thing about it man Is, is uh like what inspires you to do so much. Is it just the opportunities come up to themselves or you just get these ideas and you're like, hey man, I want to I go down this route?
0: Uh, it's kind of a little column A, a little column B. It's just okay. that uh, life is for living and building. And building is tough and it takes a lot of energy and more often than not, you're going to experience a ton of failure. But uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to go out there and charge forward. You know, the, the idea of being an MMA fighter was not really something with any real path to it in 19... 19- yeah. I mean, when I first saw that UFC, uh, was 93 or 94, I think 93, no, 94. I just, I just watched it on a tape and said, okay, one day I'm going to do this. I don't know how, I don't (laughs) know what it's going to take, but I'll do it. And I I made that happen. And it's just been the the story ever since Uh, I want to get a whiskey on market and I'm not just put my name on some crap and and sell it. I mean, something that I can really stand behind that I really believe in and, and not only do I believe in our product enough that i it's got my name on it, but it's also, I mean, there's a good chance that, okay, if you're, not only I do all the barrel picks, so I pick which ones get to be Master, but oh, okay. I will, off, I sit in and we work on the blends together for the Warbringer stuff. Um, I probably put the label on the bottle you're drinking from. Yeah. <laughs> um, I may have run the distillation runs that you're drinking. Wow. Uh, I... Uh, made, I milled the grain. I'm a part of the process. You know, I'm the I'm an That's assistant distiller awesome. up at uh, Sesame Creek, and I didn't ever expect to 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 be that involved. But when I do something, I do it like I mean it. And by being a part of the process, it gives you a little bit more pride in in the whole thing. But also, I think it, it gives you better perspective on what your product is, what's important about it, and, right. and how by knowing how it's made, it, it helps you to be better at. Not just selling the thing, but but knowing what it needs and and how to better um, how to be better at uh, approaching the business itself.
1: That, that makes so much sense. yeah. Be more hands on and, and in it than than from afar. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, and, and it's appreciated. I, mean, I mean, like I said, everybody I know has ever tried it. They they absolutely love it because then that makes sense. You're more you're involved. You're totally involved in it
0: um yeah well and you know i don't blame anybody that that it's not their cup of tea either it's it's a smoky bastard and and that's the way it is and and we we like it that way and and to a degree we have to be careful about uh our tasting because what we like and where we like to go with stuff versus when we consider like oh man the rest of the public this this is probably too much for them at times we sit back like yeah we love it but i don't know if anybody you know we might just uh you know, knock everybody out.
1: Not, not everybody's gonna hang on that. Um, yeah, that, that's again uh, amazing. Uh, and then a, another career, if you will, uh, going into the acting side of things, man. Uh, specifically, never back down, no surrender. You know, it's all about being a, a movie buff. You, know, you deal with Michael J. White, uh, and actually, you got a, a one coming up, it looks like as well. Uh, the outlaw Johnny Black, um, and you and you also got the Steven Seagal. And, and, and many more, um, you know, how much do you like that side of things being in front of the camera and being a movie guy too, man.
0: It's been amazing. I love, uh, I love being on set and being a part of the process. It's, and, and, you know, I didn't look at acting as, as something where I was going to try and go out there and win the an Academy award or anything like that. And uh, nothing against those that want to, I just yeah. love being involved in film and perhaps, you know, uh, I, at best will only fill a niche but I'm okay with that because there's a lot of people that have had careers of that way of that nature that are people involved in some of my most loved movies of all time and so yeah. I just think like well you know hell if I could even just be Brian James in Blade Runner or even in the yeah. he was in the fifth element or any I mean you know he's always playing these character roles man the the stuff that he must have done and seen and uh, you know to be a part of some of these films is is just amazing and if you could be a, a person that gets to be a part of that I, I figure you'd have a pretty pretty rad life.
1: Oh, hundred percent, yeah, and it's it's just amazing seeing again, kind of come full circle, just kind of loving that thing so much and then being a part of it. Um, I wanted to kind of bounce back, um, you know, when you know with your MMA uh, fight and just fighting in general. Uh, what is a, a fight that kind of sticks out in your head where you just felt like, man, this was uh, you, you turn it around? Like you're you're having a hard time or losing or just kind of getting frustrated or whatever the case may be, and you just you, you were figured it out and saw it through and, and, and won that. What, what kind of something helped you persevere through something like that?
0: Uh, well, I mean, the second time I fought Semi Shilt uh, in Japan in Kobe, uh, defending the King of Pancrase title uh i got food poisoning about a week and a half out before the fight and in the ring i just remember not having the horsepower that i had had expected and so i just remember at some point just thinking saying to myself in my own head there's there's no fucking way i'm gonna lose this fight i refuse it's not gonna happen and uh i would arm bar him in the third round and and
1: boom amazing wow So, so i mean anybody you know obviously myself doing it too but anybody that's a world champion like yourself uh you know that percentage of what is mental i mean you got to be physically of course uh, up to par you got to be trained but like uh that mentality you know, that fortitude right to see it through and and, and prepare it, and what you just said there it's, it's yeah no i mean
0: it was, a, it was a definitely a learning experience uh like all fights are um but i can you know i can look back on that and say oh yeah I see where i made mistakes for myself or or I made bad decisions in the ring and it is what it is. And, but at the end of the day, I I gutted it out and persevered and and pulled the trigger when it counted and came out on top.
1: Amazing, man. Uh, As we're kind of wrapping up here, I definitely want to pop this in uh, just because every time I see this, it just any, everybody, this kind of makes their day when you see these two guys on screen together. Uh, Hmm. (laughs) uh, He's seen boss rooting a legend in his own right. Uh, in many ways, what, what's it like hanging with that guy? I'm sure you have any uh, amazing stories, especially over in Japan. There,
0: uh, you do not as much uh, from Japan per se. Although oh. uh, the first time I ever spoke to J- to Boss was via email on on uh, when I was 19 years old. He emailed me because and said, "Oh, that was awesome!" Because I had a gif of him hitting Yanagisawa you know, and Pancras on my old website I built when I was a kid. And we cut to talking that way. Um, and so I've known Boss Rutten for ever since almost. And uh, working with him on um, Inside MMA was a great experience. man. We had a lot of chemistry. It was super easy for us to get it done. Um, hell, that, that picture is old enough. That, that shirt, that Speedbulb shirt, I don't even know if they're, uh, they broke up and they got back together. I don't know what's going on with those guys. But I, I remember that shirt got annihilated in uh the pit at a marduk show oh. in la because uh i think what had happened was so i'd wash it's white i'd i'd, I'd bleach it and i think i just bleached it one too many times because someone oh. grabbed it in the pit and it just just like turned into dust on me yeah it was oh. <laughs> but um uh yeah uh boss is fantastic and um yeah it's yeah, he is a legend, and it, and it is a bit surreal at time to know that uh, that someone like, I've I've known a guy like that since I was nineteen years old and have worked with. It would go from watching him on tape to then, you know, working with him side by side.
1: That oh, that's that's just amazing. Uh, and, and kind of closing, like, w- what would you say of just of the whole spiel? Because you're always working on more stuff. Uh, what would you say is like your proudest thing about your your whole career? What what kind of in the forefront of your mind for that?
0: Mm. it's the hard. you know practice. i think i think i would probably take an abstract look at it and just say yeah. that you know good or for good or bad i did it my way i stuck to my principles awesome. and i i did things that uh i, I did it the way that i that i i, I in, engendered to do so so and i still am i'm still doing things my way i'm still not doing anything for the sake of anybody else other than my own motivation and so that that i feel is is important uh uh, but uh, I still got a bit more to go and I'm yeah. not entirely done with MMA yet. Although, you know, it's getting towards the end of that chapter, but I'm not too sad about it. Um, yeah. because most people don't get to really follow their passions to this degree anyway. So if anything, uh, yeah. and plus, plus being able to do as long as I have, um, it's a real rarity. So, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> more to come, uh, more maybe more not. To come. Maybe not a lot more, but yeah. it's okay. It'll be good.
1: And, and that, the, just a last, uh, on that little uh, vein there, um, I always wanted to ask, uh, I, I, there's a name that comes to mind just following you for 30 years, but is there any uh, one or two fighters, is there any fighter you've always wanted to fight that you haven't fought yet?
0: Oh, well, well yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, there's something, like I always wanted to have a rematch with Noguera. I want a rematch with, uh, with Daniel Cormier but uh, if we we're really going into this territory, I'd say yeah. that someone I would have loved to have fought and never got the chance to fight them, um, you know, Volkan from Rings. That would have been awesome. Yes. That would have been so cool. And, and like, Alexander Carellin, my, my wrestling hero. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, I mean, he's not a fighter per se. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a good kid talking.
1: <laughs> you always got to have that kid side of you, though, man. Um, yeah, that, that, that's amazing. And, and then pretty much the uh, last thing here is, uh, uh, I mean, you were involved so much. We just kind of said a couple of things that you're still working on and coming up here. Uh, you know, in your mind, what are kind of uh, future plans that you have?
0: Uh, well, the biggest talk- virtue plans is the, this Bloodsport 4 and 5 yeah. that we uh, will have. Uh, February, February 13th will be Bloodsport 4. Fe- Bloodsport 5 will be the 20th. Um, this is an incredible project for us um you'll be able to watch it on uh, bloodsport.watch and uh we put there's a lot of effort has been put into this we have gathered some incredible uh professional wrestling um uh, competition here and yeah we're, we're i mean it's full speed ahead on that
1: amazing i'm gonna pop this up for everybody and guys, you can follow him. He's got uh, his website. On his website, it's got everything we've basically been talking about, uh, and all social media, and even check out his IMDb page, man. Boom, you got an IMDb page. Look at that.
0: I do. It's a bit in shambles. Uh, uh, there's there's two different uh, Josh Barnett's on IMDb, and they need to be merged. However, the hell that could be done. But yeah, you know, and, and hopefully this this movie I worked on in 20. 20- uh, 2012, I think it was called Chuck Hank and the San Diego twins by the, oh, co- actually, by the guys yeah. at this, this group called Coatwolf. They did a movie called bellflower. And, uh, th- I think this thing is going to be released finally this year. I mean, this is a, a, a real, uh, indie project with yeah. a lot of it done, done by them, you know? Uh, so I hope it comes out this year. I feel pretty pretty confident. Evan Gladell, he feels pretty confident. And so uh, we'll hopefully we'll have another thing to put out there in the atmosphere for the movies.
1: Amazing, man. We'll be looking out for that. And Josh, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's an absolute pleasure talking with you.
0: My pleasure to be here.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things grappling, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We also take topic recommendations, so feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram or Facebook pages for that. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train at our academy, Olympus Jiu-Jitsu. Until the next one, keep training!